The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up, kitty up. It's Tuesday night. Uh, True Crime Tuesdays here on the Fair Stop channel. We do five shows a week. If you're tuning in for the very first time, welcome to the sanctuary, my friends. This is the show where police meet society and culture. Well, hello, hello. And like I said before, we do five like shows a week. Starting with Monday's Uncuffed with Jay Durrell. A little night bit. Night shift. Um, Welcome, welcome. Look, guys, I've got the show to myself. What are we even going to do? Actually, we've got an interesting thing we're doing tonight. So this is the month uh, that's leading into the year anniversary of Night Shift. So we started this version of Night Shift uh, toward the end of June last year. So as we approach the one year anniversary, we want to do some fun things. We've been talking about it. Uh, So one of the things is... We're trying to think of a really great case for that show in a couple of weeks. But also, we want to do a little contest. We haven't done one in a while. And uh, we've been kind of slow to put out some merch and do some other things here and there. So we want to add that and incorporate that maybe into a contest. So if you would, if everyone, hey there, Deadleg. We got Josh Deadleg with us for a little bit. Um, If you would, if everyone would go, I know you guys, most of you that are listening, Um, either like or subscribe or follow our pages on Instagram. But for contest purposes, and we'll put out the rules on Instagram here in a couple of days, if you would go to my page, Andrea Uplate, and if you would go to Failure to Stop and tag a couple of friends and share it. Uh, If you do that, we will put all your names in a drawing. And here in a couple of weeks, we'll draw and two people will win Failure to Stop and or Night Shift t-shirts. You get to pick what you want. All right, so uh, we're gonna have some cool designs coming out, and we're gonna we're gonna move along with that. So we will have a contest, like I said, like and share, and tag a couple of friends to Andrea Uplate and to Failure to Stop on Instagram, and uh, we'll get a couple T-shirts out for you uh, here in a couple weeks. Eric, you back with me, buddy? I think so. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but uh, well, I got kicked completely off of the face of the planet. You might have so. needed a little timeout this evening. It's okay. It happens to all of us. From here, did you do the today's show is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack? Well, not yet. I didn't because you do it so much better than I do. Tonight's show is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. And also big news, uh, Manscaped, really happy with us. I guess uh, you guys out there love to do some manscaping. So good for you guys. Uh, and they're back with us for, I don't know, I guess another couple of months. So uh, normally they do like a quarter with us and then they skip a quarter and then they come back into another quarter with yeah. us, but they're back on two quarters in a row. So that's really nice, which means they're definitely going to come back for fourth quarter Christmas time. So we love Manscaped. We love Manscaped. We love Ghostbed and support those who uh, support the show because you know, there's not a lot of people out there that are supporting law enforcement like that. It's hard to get sponsors, corporate sponsors for a pro law enforcement series. So uh, big exactly. shout out to those guys. Thanks. What do we got tonight? The Bone Breaker Killer. So, yeah, as I was about to get into before you came right back on with us um, tonight in, you know, uh, honor of the year anniversary approaching, we want to do a little fun thing and uh, kind of give you guys a gift, give you guys a little freebie. 
which would be, it's a case that John, difficult to look at pictures, and I covered on Night Shift Overtime on Patreon a couple of weeks ago. And it's a um, it's a really heavy show. It won't last quite as long. It's not a very long case in that sense. It's not as involved, but it is horrific. And uh, we wanted to give you guys a little, show you a little bit of what goes on sometimes on the Patreon side. So if you don't already, if you're not a member to Patreon yet, we have two options there. We've talked about it. Um, there's the $3 a month option and the $10 a month option. You can link, you can hop on. We have the link everywhere. See what each one of those options entails, what you prefer. Um, but if you don't already subscribe to that, this show is a little bit of what John and I have covered before there. John and I have a little bit of a different style. You can listen to Eric and I tonight and listen to it on Patreon another time. But this is a little freebie for you guys tonight. So this is what we're going to be covering. Um, and this show takes place in 1995. So here in a moment, we will talk pop culture 95, which I think we might have had a case like this before uh, in that year. Uh, but either way, I don't have a whole lot on the current cases that we've been following. Eric, did you have some crazy crime update stuff? I mean, not so much. We covered something on Uncuff last night that I thought you'd probably be interested in. Did you hear about the uh, grandmother grilling incident that happened in, uh, oh man, I don't even know. It's like, a, it's, it's in a state that you wouldn't even think was it was going to happen in. It was, uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know the state that it happened in. Uh, actually, matter. I think it's Maryland. Oh. It's Maryland. It was okay. in Maryland. Uh, but a older woman, Margaret Craig, 71 years of age, uh, died at the hands of her daughter and um, the next day, uh, let's see, the next day she called her daughter, the other daughter. So basically, it's grandma, Margaret, Mar Margaret's daughter is 44 years old. Her name was Candace. And then she has a daughter that's 19 years old uh, named Salia. And so Candace kills Margaret. We don't know why or how yet. I will say I read she, it was over a credit card dispute. Yes. It was over a credit card dispute. Uh, it was like a fraudulent credit card ordeal, um, but we don't know like how she died or if it was like during a heated argument or if she was stabbed or whatever. That hasn't come out yet, um, or at least that hadn't come out yesterday. And then the uh, night show, so the next day, <laughs> she calls her 19-year-old daughter, lets her know that they killed grandma. Daughter comes over, and the idea that the two have of disposing of the body uh, involves a chainsaw and a charcoal grill. So they chainsaw grandmother up and put as much of her on the grill during the weekend as they can, but they can't grill all of grandmother. So they put her in some plastic bags, some tarps, and she begins to stink in about two days and a check on welfare happens and the police, you know, they, they smell the body and then they go downstairs and it is horrific. Uh, mutilation, out of sight, brain matter everywhere. Uh, bloody chainsaw stuff. I mean, as you can imagine. So that happened in Maryland and uh, we covered it yesterday on Uncuffed and uh, yeah, pretty sickening, but I thought that would be, that'll probably be a true crime story told uh, later on by some other true crime junkies out there. Yeah. Also, one more thing. Have you seen the new TV series based on a true story with Kaylee Cuoco? No. Mm -mm. Uh, very good show. My wife and I are in uh, episode three, but it's uh, basically she starts a podcast about a serial killer while he's an active serial killer in their town. And it's cool. It reminds me of all the stuff that we do here. So uh, yeah. if you want a good little flirty, fun show, you do get to see Quayley Cuoco's backside in the first episode, Interesting. which is a treat. Um, 
but it's a very fun, flirty, true crime. Oh, it's just yeah. like a fictional, like a show show. Yeah, yeah. So it's gotcha. basically based on Kaylee Cuoco and her husband are having like some marital issues. And to solve these marital issues, they're going to start a true crime podcast on a real life serial killer that's loose in their own town. And wow. so, you know, as they keep diving into this serial killer, you know, they're getting closer and closer and it's getting a little bit more dangerous, a little bit more flirty, you know. Okay. But it's got all the things that a, a that a average you know, white girl would be really, really into. My wife loves it, so. That's fair. No, it sounds good. I like that kind of stuff. Yep, so that's all I have. Let's talk uh, 1995 briefly. Uh, we had Hillary Clinton as first lady. Uh, our phones were still just kind of doing phone stuff. If you had one, we didn't have smartphones and all that, all that business. Kate Moss and Johnny Depp were just doing a bang up job over there together. Eric, this one's for you. Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise was the top song of the year. Mm, rest in peace. That's one of your go-to karaoke's. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Yep. Uh, Braveheart won Best Picture. Great movie. Did you Great like Braveheart? Movie. I did like Braveheart. I did. I haven't seen have your it kids, in forever. Have your, kids, have your kids seen it yet? No. So now that you just said that, it made me think I'd like to show it to them. Yeah, no, they would really I like them. And the nude scene that I was worried about. Um, I, can't that, I, I mean, it's Braveheart's not like one of those movies I watch it like over and over again. So it's probably been like twenty five years since I've seen uh, Braveheart. Yes, but I, I watched it with my kids, and I was like super stressed out about the whole nude scene part, bro. That nude scene is like ten sec, like f- four seconds, three like seconds nothing. at most, and it's nothing. It's not even like I'm not even sure like my my ten year old would have noticed, but I don't right. think my eight year old would even notice there was a titty there. So uh, that one's pretty easy to fast forward through. But my uh, my kids really enjoyed it, and uh, my ten year old cried at the end. So, that yeah, that's cool. a good one. Yeah, uh, also, good. in 1995, OJ Simpson's trial wrapped up. So, the verdict came out in 95. It started in 94. Uh, TLC's Waterfalls won the MTV ah. Video Music Award for that year. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Uh, the Macarena went viral. Oh, I'm like a great song. Something like that. Uh, and you then, know, I heard that song for my first time on a cruise. I was on the Disney cruise. I was like, well, this has been in 1995 then. Um, on a cruise in 1995. That was the first time I heard this song. And when I got off the cruise, like, I was all like, guys, if you heard that, you got to hear this song. Oh, it was so great. They played it. You know, little did I know that it was going to be played on the radio every five seconds Forever. for the next like four years. But like, I swear to God, like first time I'd ever heard it was on that cruise. And I thought, I mean, I was like, this is island life. Like, this is the shit. Like Island life. You became an <laughs> island boy that day. I had the little beads in my hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you bought God. like a little fake grill from the gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, no. I came back saying, man, like, oh, I just picked I up their accent, man. I don't know, mine, man. Mine, mine, mine. Uh, so also in that year, Selena and Jerry Garcia passed away. For some reason, I don't put them passing away in the same year. So that one surprises me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, some big shows on TV, as we can remember, were ER, Seinfeld, Friends, right? I didn't watch uh, any of those. Brad Pitt was named People's Sexiest Man Alive for the magazine Again. there. Uh, Match.com came out. And remember it was, was Brad Pitt and George Clooney there for a while. Were you, uh, where, which, which, were you on Team George Clooney or Team Ooh, Brad um, Pitt? Um. Probably Clooney. 
Yeah. I'm trying Especially to Especially back in 95. I think I wasn't a huge fan of either because everybody else was. And I kind of just okay. didn't like what everybody else did all the time. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. You know? what? Whose mm. camp are you in? Uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh, yeah. You watch <laughs> just Tool kidding. Time. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> you watch I'm just joking. I had a girlfriend in 95. And she... Remember the magazine... Topanga? Um, Oh, well, I, of course, I always had a crush on Topanga. I mean, I still do to this day. Uh, but do you remember um, Bop Magazine? Yeah. Was that what it was called, Bop? Mm-hmm. And there was a J- Jonathan Taylor Thomas poster in the Bop Magazine, and so she hung that on her wall. And I just remember being like her, I was like one of my first girlfriends, so I was probably in middle school, and I just remember being like pretty offended. Like, Did it make you sad? Kind of, because I, like, I thought she was really excited about that Jonathan Taylor Tom- Thomas poster. So I've always hated JTT for that. Um, you know, <laughs> there he is. God, you know, handsome kid though. Wonder where he's at now. I don't, I feel like he did a few things growing up, like into teenage years, you know, and then I don't, I don't know. Maybe he did it right. And he just got out and took all of his money and got all the way as far away from that scene as possible. Well, we can only hope. I know Mel Gibson's coming out with his new tell all documentary about, um, the uh, pedophile sex rings in Hollywood. So get ready for that. Uh, hopefully Mel. he stays alive. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, he was actually just here. He was here at the port last summer filming something. I can't imagine it was that. But a lot of people saw him at a local restaurant. And uh, that was a fun one. You know, that's kind of a big one. I was hoping. Yeah, there's a lot of movies that are shot by your house. Wouldn't like yeah, Scream or something shot there? What? Like that. Wouldn't like Scream or something shot Scream, at your house? Scream, Dawson's Creek, Sleeping oh, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Enemy. Weekend Ooh. at Bernie's. Oh. I mean, there's a lot. Oh, you know what else one? Uh, uh, Short Circuit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it that was. was. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. There's some little museums here that have like all the, you know, uh, props and things like that from a lot of the movies that were shot locally. So it's kind of fun to Very be a cool. small town and have all that stuff. Um, yeah. All right. Would you want to talk? Uh, I will give you guys, and I said this in Patreon too, I don't often give like a, a warning or a this is pretty graphic and it's pretty terrible. So I will say that. And I, mean, I feel like if kid. you're checking in on our channel, like you, like you have to know, right? Like you have to know that maybe, but I will say you never like, know what you're going to get on our show. Like if you're true. listening to this with your kids in the car, yeah, maybe put not. some earbuds in, put some earbuds yeah, maybe in. Not this one. Well, and not yeah. all of, you know, not all of true crime. Like, so I listen to podcasts constantly, right? When I'm running, when I'm in the car, I'm but always Do not to- get annoyed by the, like the whole intros of them being like, now guys, this is going to be a trigger warning. I'm like, every true crime episode is a trigger well, warning. They, they say- all give me anxiety. Yeah, if they say it every time, and I don't say it every time, but I will say in listening to many about this, like aside from just reading um, different sources and stuff with information, just in listening to it, a lot of people did who normally don't say that. It's just because the yeah. victim. It's bad. Well, yeah, it's, it's bad. bad. The victim was a kid. I, I don't like to don't do know the whole lot. story, but like I saw that I survived like just I mean, I think yeah. I was watching I Survive when this story came on and I was like, yeah, I'm not watching this. And I turned it off because I was like, <gasps> I only heard yeah. like one part. And so I never got to hear the whole story. But, you know, like sometimes you got, you got to be in the mood for it, right? Like I was scanning yeah. through TV, probably looking for a sports game or something. Oh, that's a lie. I don't watch sports, but I was probably looking for something lighthearted. And I, I landed on I Survived. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. I only heard like literally 30 seconds of this yeah. story. And I was like, what? That's why when you said it, the bone breaker killer. I was like, yo, th- is this about that? And you were like, yep. And I was like, no way. 
Yep. This dude's still alive, I think. So okay, so no, that's for sure, what I was he's speak on, on. I survived. He is. I've actually reached out to him lately. Um, I am excited. I don't necessarily need or want, you know, an interview or a third party on every show that we do. Probably some of those we'll just save for Patreon. Occasionally, we'll throw them on Tuesday's show like this. Last week, we did have the mother of a victim uh, on the show, and it was very well received. And uh, she was wonderful and presenting her side of the story and what like, you know, kind of her perspective. We talk about this stuff all the time, you know, and it's always strangers. So it was nice to have the perspective of the mother who's dealing with the, you know, the kinds of stories we talk about day in and day out. The reason I am covering this, I almost did not. John and I went back and forth about it, but we, we decided to go on and do it because number one, the victim survived, um, not without emotional scar scarring and, and physical scarring from this as well. But he lately has been reaching out and talking to local media. Uh, they've recently started a new GoFundMe for him. Uh, you'll realize why as the show goes on. But because he has been vocal, uh, I felt it, you know, it. it's interesting to talk about. We do talk about the psychopathy of the suspects a lot of times and what in the world would have driven them here. Uh, as we get to talking, you'll figure out why this case is particularly interesting when we talk about uh the bad guy, the perpetrator of the crime in this case, because there's something that's very significant that is is very jarring as well. So without further ado, we will talk about it. Um, so this all takes place in Baraboo, Wisconsin. All right. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is uh, a boy named Chris Steiner. So it's July 4th celebrations back in 1994 there in Wisconsin. Uh, everyone has a, a good, a good night, having a good time. Families all go back home and go to bed. Chris as well. So, and this night, his older brother was gone for the night out with friends. And that's important to note. So Chris goes to bed. His father checks on him around 10 PM and he's there in his room sleeping or in his brother's room. Excuse me. He slept in his brother's room that night in his brother's room sleeping and dad goes to bed. So the next morning he realizes that Chris is not at home. At first he doesn't think too much about it. Uh, Chris had sometimes back then, you know, snuck out to go see a buddy or, you know, this and that he's a 14 year old boy. Uh, but then as a little bit of time goes on and dad starts to walk through the home, he notices some oddities. So he notices that uh, the screen in the window to the room that Chris was sleeping in, uh, the screen had been slashed. There were muddy boot prints throughout the home. Again, the muddy boot prints didn't initially concern dad because he thought maybe Chris had snuck out, maybe snuck back in or a friend came in to get him or something like that. But the slash in that screen on the window concerned him paired with the muddy footprints. And then two of the back patio doors were unlocked. So it almost, you know, as time goes on and you start to think about it, could appear as though someone came in through the window um, and then out through the house and through the sliding patio doors. Well, Chris was nowhere to be found. So as days ensue, they've got missing persons reports, their search teams, they're doing what they can to find Chris. And unfortunately, uh, six days later on July 10th, Chris's body was found uh, fairly nearby in a river uh, partially submerged, but mainly kind of like hanging over a limb, kind of as though like a current might have taken his body and he got kind of dammed up on that limb there that was overhanging the river. 
Um, his body was very, very badly decomposed, as you can imagine, summertime and in water. Um, so he is taken for an autopsy and the medical examiner without much ado rules this as a drowning. Now his parents push back a bit because they don't, none of this makes sense. Uh, they don't like what their home, the fact that their home, you know, looked quasi like a crime scene and we're calling this a drowning. But upon initial examination, the ME could not find any actual cause of death. I mean, so they, they named the cause of death drowning, but they can't find what would have caused him to drown. Why would he have been in the water? Did he just go out late at night with buddies and, you know, act silly and, and get in this water and something tragic happened? Well, his, his friends haven't spoken to that. Uh, why was the screen, sl you know, slashed in the window in the room he was sleeping in? So there were a lot of inconsistencies there with just a mere drowning. Uh, but either way, that is what was deemed the cause of death for him. And honestly, it was just kind of moving right along, um, business as usual. The family continues to mourn and try to get back into their uh, daily life and, you know, and move forward. So then, <clears throat> excuse me. So about one year later, almost, almost exactly, we have, sorry, my little notes got turned around. So toward the end of July, 1995, We've got a boy named Thaddeus Phillips. Um, first of all, Dad, if you want to, we have a picture of uh, Chris Steiner's the boy. I believe it's a black and white photo of just a headshot. Nope. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. It wasn't black and white. So that's Chris Steiner. And that's the 14 year old that was found um, over the limb, over the river there uh, that had been potentially taken from his home. We don't know yet, but we know he drowned. Okay. I just want to show his face. If you're just listening, we've got, you know, just a sweet smiling, um, braces clad little 14 year old boy here, uh, on the monitor. All right. So moving forward, like I said, July 29th of 1995. So the very next year, almost to the day, Thaddeus Phillips, uh, was a 13 year old boy who had recently moved into this home, uh, with his sister and his father. He, was actually from that same town. They just had not, they were new to this actual home in this, in this part of town. Uh, but he knew all the kids in town and went to school with them and whatnot. He had been in this particular home for about two weeks at this time, at the end of July. But it's in the same town that he lived in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, so didn't he didn't move like far. far away or anything. Right. I'm just just saying, man, it's got to be hard to leave a town you grew up in with a name like Thaddeus. I feel like that would be, I'd be rough growing up with that name. Thaddeus. Oh, he probably just went, I knew some Thads growing up. He probably just went Did you dad. really? Did you call him Thad? I've never met a Thaddeus in my life. And I would hate to be called Thad. Yeah, it's a tough name. That is a tough name. What is it? Is it Greek or something? Thaddeus? Thaddeus? Maybe. I, I really don't know. Um, yeah, Thad Phillips. I don't know. That could be yeah, a strong name. Strange name. Um, so he went to bed. But he had fallen asleep on his couch. Uh, and his sister had gone to bed and, and, you know, it's kind of late at night, like I said, on July 29th of 95. All right. So he falls asleep on the couch. His dad goes to bed. His dad will say later, we find out, you know, he wakes up and can't find that. Like he wasn't on the couch any longer. So it's growing on me now. Now that you say it a few times, it's more growing on Yeah, me. it's strong. Dad. All right. Um, so, so Thad will then recount what happened later. So 
he's sleeping on his couch around two or three in the morning. It's the middle of the night. He's completely, you know, out of it, sleeping heavily. He is awakened as he is being taken out of the window of his home. So he's being carried out of the window of his home. How old is he? Yep. He's 13. But so, and he will go on to say all the things that we're going to be like, whoa, whoa, how, how did that happen? Or why did we, you know? Uh, well, I mean, I, I carry my 10 year old like all the time and then he'll like wake up and be like, oh, dad, what's going on? I'm like, right. just moving you to your bed, bud. Just right. relax. You know? Well, and so that's exactly what that But says. it's tough. Like he's 10 and it's still hard to move them because they're heavy. It's dead yeah, weight. It you is. Know what yeah, I mean? It's like, very difficult to move them. From, I can't move my kids from the couch anymore. It's that's those days are gone. But, uh. Yeah. So he wakes up and he'll say, he said, I was just so confused. Like I was in a heavy sleep, dreaming away on the couch there, you know. And when I wake up, he said, I looked around and the guy that's carrying him is talking to him immediately and saying things like, um, oh, hey, uh, you know, before he speaks to him, he thought it was his dad. He has fallen asleep on the couch before and his dad moved him back to bed. So initially he said he was kind of in and out of it. He just took it for granted that it was his dad taking him to his bed. And he probably, I don't know, kept his eyes, you know, shut, tried to kind of stay sleeping, but then realizes he's outside. And so this guy starts talking to him and he eventually just walks in. They don't go very far. This guy doesn't live very far away because the next thing you know, they're in his yard, this guy's yard, the abductor. He puts him down in the grass and tells him to walk inside. That'll tell you now. I was really just kind of confused, but he was enticed by this guy because the guy said, Hey, do you know so-and-so? Do you know so-and-so? And he's naming boys around town that this kid does know that he went to school with. And he says, Hey, he was like, yeah, we're having a party. He was like, they're all coming over. They're all here. Um, you know, and he's on, carrying yeah. them. Like, it, like, could you imagine somebody carrying like your 13 yeah. year old son? Like your no. son would be like, yo, get yeah. off of me. No. What Not year was it? 95? Yeah, that's. I don't know that. I mean, I, listen. I, I don't. I you're 13. You're woken up in the middle of the night. Like I'm not. I'm not deucing on the guy. But I mean, that it just sucks. sounds I mean, crazy. And he says it, it now you know, too. Yeah. Like I'm sure he's just kind of like. I mean, but I, you know, the kids played harder back in '95. We were outside a little bit longer, so you do probably tend to sleep a lot harder than the kids of of nowadays mm-hmm. do. But yeah, uh, man, that would be that'd be just a weird way to. To wake up, Meat Potato says, sorry, I've been missing a bunch of live shows. I've been sleeping way too much because I've been staying up for two days at a time. Meat Potatoes, I'm telling you right now, baby, that could all go away. That could all be fixed right now if you went to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack and got you a bed that sleeps so good, it's scary. scary. Uh, You would be very... It would be very possible to be kidnapped from a ghost bed under a drunken sleep uh, if you're passed out on a ghost bed. Sometimes I sleep so heavy on my ghost bed, my wife gets up, carries on with her whole life, and I have no idea that she got up or or moved. Um, This is coming from a military guy with probably a little too much PTSD and wakes up from everything, but ghost bed really changed my life. I think that uh, mental health, mental wellness starts with a good night's sleep, and that's why we're proud to partner with ghost bed. Uh, They've been with us since day one, baby. We're almost going on like two years now on this show, and they were with me on uh, the previous show when I was on the previous network. So I've been with ghost bed for three years. They have never ceased. They've never stopped giving me a paycheck. Um, Even when we were going through our tough times, as you guys remember, when we were just branching 
branching off on our own. Um, we wouldn't have all these studios. We wouldn't be having the Patreon. We wouldn't have a whole staff of five or six people um, if it wasn't for GhostBed. And they are massive, huge supporters of law enforcement. Right now, 35% off across the board on the old website. But that 4th of July sale's coming. And these are beds that are made in the good old USA. 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 Nothing gets me harder than a ghost bed on 4th of July weekend, baby. If you've got PTSD and those fireworks scare you a little bit, uh, get you a ghost bed. You won't have to worry about it. Get you a ghost bed pillow. Get you the comforter, the mattress, the adjustable base. Right now, 0% down, 0% financing, and that's if you have... Uh, uh, Lazaro Lopez credit. Go you want to go with Lazaro Lopez credit? I'll go with that. We'll go with Lazaro Lopez credit. If he can afford it, anybody can. Uh, but right now, head over to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack and get you a bed that sleeps so good. It's scary. Ooh. All right, so Thad is being dragged out of his house. He's been convinced that he's headed to a party with some other friends going right down the road, yeah. as you say it. Uh, so what happens next? Yeah. And let me tell you, this is where, um, John and I agreed on this, that I think one of the more jarring parts of this case, as we go on and, and find out what's about to happen in Thaddeus's future here in his short term future is that the abductor of Thaddeus, uh, the abductor is <clears throat> 17 years old. Oh, really? 17 years old. Yep, Joe Clark is his name. So Joe knew these boys' names because he was a local teenager himself. So he knew the boys around town. He knew mm. the kids at school and the kids in the neighborhood. It was a small town. So that's another reason I think Thad was a bit more enticed to believe him. And, you know, you know, there is some something to be said for obviously all of the scenarios in which Thad got to Joe's front yard are suspect and bizarre and wild. But it does make sense that a younger teenage boy, you know, given the opportunity to hang out, maybe party with some older teenage boys in town, you know, maybe it felt uh, cool or inviting or who's to say. But yeah. he does go in his home thinking these other kids that he knows are going to be there. Um, so, okay. So he goes in, right? And I just heard him on an interview again a couple weeks ago, but... At some point, Joe, they get inside, and he's being nothing but kind to him, of course, right? As sure. all of these stories start that we tell. And he uh, goes on emotions up the stairs and says, you know, going upstairs, you know, everybody's kind of coming over. And he even said, I can't imagine how this might haunt him now, looking back. But he said, I have no idea why I went upstairs. Like, he was like, I was just upstairs before I knew it. Like, I, I just did it because he said it, and I, and I don't know why. So I would just assume that that's a, oh, of all the things that might haunt him, just the idea that he even went at all, or, you know, why didn't I do this? Or why didn't I fight back? Or, you know, I, you know, I talked to a rape victim one time and, and, um, and I asked, I said like, why, why, like, did he hold you at knife point? Did he force you upstairs? She's like, no. And I was like, so he just says, go upstairs. And you're like, yeah. She's like, yep. And I was like, were you like thinking that maybe you're going to like make out with this dude? And she was like, no. No, I was like, I knew I was being, I, I knew I was about to get raped. And I was like, 
and, and I was like, and you don't know this guy at all? And she's like, no. And I was like, and you don't know that how he got you to the house except that you were drugged? She's like, yeah. And I had a hard time believing her, but then like, you know, all the evidence kind of lined up. Uh, Our the, brains you know, do a lot of thing in survival too. I guess, like, yeah. I guess if she just felt like, like if she fought back, she would be killed. And I don't know her story, but like, let's say she thought that, then she's going to endure I, She this says she doesn't survive. know why. She says, yeah, I mean, like basically that was what she told me. Um, And, and I said, so, but you just want to say, she's like, yeah. She's like, it was like an outer body experience. Like every step mm-hmm. I took, like I knew this is bad. Like don't take another step. Don't take another step. Don't take another step. But it was like a an awkward you know, an awkward feeling, like an awkward moment. Yeah. And then she's like, we got upstairs. And then when he opened the door, like everything changed from there on out, you know, tragic story. But, uh, yeah, I, it is a weird psychology. It that is. goes into these moments. And I wonder if there's anything that we can learn from listening to so many true crime episodes that end up like this. It like, yeah, it's a maybe with, point. right. Maybe with all the knowledge we have now of listening to this stuff, and seeing shows like I Survive that maybe you get to those stairs and you say, hey, you know, I have to fight from here on out or, right. you know, or something bad's going to, I don't know. I don't know. But very yeah. strange psych- psychology there. Well, and like I said, it's interesting to hear since he did survive this remarkably, right. uh, you know, since he did survive, you know, you'll hear him say that. I think that's what's haunting. You guys go listen to episodes with him talking. I mean, it is haunting to hear him recollect kind of like she was telling you, I don't know why, you know, I don't know why I did it. Yeah. It was like two, three in the morning. I was half asleep still. I kind of knew who this guy was. He was mentioning friends, names of mine, you know, and he's like, and just, and there I was, I found myself in this position. So he goes upstairs pretty much immediately. Now Joe Clark changes. Like we've got Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. All right. So now his personality, his intent, his um, aggression, all changes with Thaddeus, he immediately starts to shove him down, face down on a um, uh, what is later described as a pretty soiled mattress. The house in general was kind of in disrepair and not in good condition, not clean. Uh, so he puts him face down on this mattress and tries to subdue him by, you know, um, with some maneuvers physically to try to get his hands and things like that, get, you know, get control of his body. And uh, before you know it, he takes. Thaddeus's right foot and twists so hard that the ankle splinters. It shreds and splinters. Of course, there's a loud pop. It's immediately 100% broken. Yeah. Um, So we'll talk later as well, but you know how sometimes we talk about adrenaline or different things that can give you and you get strength. Like you hear the stories of, of, you know, men lifting cars and when they have to and things like that. And it does make me wonder about, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the drive or the, the fetish, if you will, the, um, what Joe needs to get in order to break these bones, like what it does for him. Like if it's giving him some sort of adrenaline, that's increasing his strength, because it's not that easy to break someone's bones with your hands like that. Uh, and as we talk more about the things that he did, you'll realize how increasingly harder this would become and how much strength this would take. So, Mm. you know, I don't know if something, uh, you know, I don't know if something's in him, in the adrenaline, in what this is giving him to do this is kind of demonic strength. I mean, it seems like oh, oh, it's demonic. All right, it's. I mean, it's quite honestly one of the worst things I've read. I'll be honest. Um, you know what I mean? We've talked about a lot of bad stuff, but it sounds like a demon child. You know? Yeah, it's just a different kind of. Yeah, am I? Is it too early in the story for me to ask? Where's his seventeen-year-old's parents? 
Um, it's not too early, but it's not super revealing either. He lives, uh, we will find out that he actually lives in this home with his older brother. Um, an occasional like brother's girlfriend might be in and out and that's it. So we'll talk a little bit. There's not a whole lot to be known about his history and his childhood. Joe Clark's childhood. Well, not that we know of, but we'll talk about what might have been a bit of a trigger to have his brain be wired a little differently, um, from being in utero, uh, as, as time goes, goes back out. But so he breaks Thad's ankle and it just pops and shreds, like I said. So then uh, Thaddeus at this point is in shock. Like physiologically, your body can shut down. You don't feel the pain that's coursing through. Eric, you've broken, you've had things broken. You probably know like uh, how you kind of get through with what you're doing until that, because your body takes over and it's survival until you have to deal with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, broken lots of bones. Yeah. For sure. So um, his ankle's been snapped. Then Joe continues to try to just kind of beat on him and whatever. At this point, Thad obviously realizes that he's made a horrible, horrible mistake by accompanying Joe upstairs. He immediately (laughs) dives off the bed and tries to run down the stairs. Uh, If you've ever broken an ankle or any bone. Oh, no. I've done it. I've, I've been there. I've broke my ankle. And I like saw it and I wanted to stand up and get like, I wanted to stand up to make it okay. Yeah. And like, you know, how it just like folds up under itself, making it a million times worse. But that's when you feel it. It's like right when you try to do that, that's when like that pain like shoots up through your face. Well, he gets about halfway down the stairs before Joe catches up with him. (sighs) Again, complete shock. The kid, you know, he's not feeling this right, this right at that moment. So he grabbed Joe grabs him. Hauls him back up the stairs, back onto the bed, and continues to kind of beat on him and um, and hurt him. So the next thing you know, he takes he takes Thaddeus's right leg and pushes it forward to where essentially his shin uh, or the top of his foot is touching his forehead. And pushes his body together that way until he snaps the femur and hip socket. So he's so like that is must be like a that is must be like super skinny then. Like you're not doing this to a kid. Like Clark has to be incredibly strong. That's like there's no way there's no way you would be able to do that with your 13 year old. Because your 13 oh, year old is too big of a dude. You know what no. I'm saying? Like, maybe like my son, like Augie. Like, I can see somebody snapping Augie into a million pieces because he's a tiny yeah, kid. Yeah, but so it would still be difficult. Super tiny. Yeah, sure. But two hands to break a femur. So, you guys, if you're listening and you don't, uh, you're not super aware, your femur is the bone in your thigh. So, it's our longest, strongest yeah. bone. It's the thickest in diameter. It's it's very difficult to break and it takes a lot of pounds of pressure to do so. And um, usually when it breaks, there's like an artery that like runs like right down it. So, Exactly. So keep this in mind as we talk about these breaks, because you do have your femoral artery there. It's a pretty decently sized one. You can bleed out if that gets snagged pretty easily. Also, guys, you bleed internally when your bones break. So even if an artery has not been severed or lacerated at all, you have marrow and all these other things going through red blood cells going through your your bones are hollow blood goes through them. So when you break a bone like that, particularly a very large in diameter bone, like your femur, you can quickly start your bleeding internally. So you may not see it outwardly, right? But what you're going to see outwardly is swelling and bruising and the inability to move that limb. 
and you're losing blood. So you're going to start seeing pale lips, shaking hands, etc. Uh, Jeez. So he goes on and does that. Um, and then he decides to bring him downstairs. So Thad has to go downstairs. He now has a broken hip, broken femur, and a shattered ankle. Bro, like a hip is like the worst, the worst of it's all. It's all of the it. worst, like, right? You, can't you know what even I mean? Move. Like that combined with the fear and uncertainty of just what's even going to happen to him now, like having someone else do it to you. So he goes downstairs, and this is where, when we talk about some of these cases, this is where it just gets even more disgusting. So Thaddeus would go through periods of doing this of, of beating him and doing these things with his bones. And then he would have him sit on the couch beside him, ask him what his favorite movie is. He'd prop his legs up on a cushion oh, and fuck. have him sit with him um, uh, and watch TV. He started talking to him all about the fact that he didn't like uh, living in this home with his brother and he called it a filthy home and he, his brother got on his nerves and he wasn't happy there. And, he, uh, I mean, he just goes on to talk to him, you know, and I was telling John, it reminds me in a different kind of way of the Dennis Nielsen case. If you guys didn't listen, I won't go into gore there, but this one was a pretty, uh, pretty gross case that dealt with necrophilia. And this man, his, he got his pleasure from, uh, hiding the corpses of the people he murdered under his floorboards and then would dig them back up and sit beside them on a chair and have, tea with them and talk to them right and that was super disturbing uh but it's like joe's doing that now with this kid as he tortures him while he's still alive so it's really bizarre um there was another time that thad was able to escape and make it to the kitchen floor he passed out uh on the kitchen floor from the pain he woke up terrified of what's going to go on at this point thad had uh fallen asleep, I think on the couch. I mean, excuse me, Joe had fallen asleep on the couch with a girlfriend. So he hoped that, you know, he could escape somehow without being seen. Well, then next thing you know, girl leaves and Joe comes around the corner, sees that in the kitchen, hauls him back up the stairs again. So Joe's a pretty strong dude, by the way, because he's just hauling this kid around all over. Yeah. Uh, so he gets him back upstairs, continues to beat him. At this point, he's shoving a towel in Thaddeus's mouth to squelch the screams if he can. He does have a moment uh, of clarity, it almost seems like, where he sits over where he sits over Thaddeus and tells him essentially his compulsion for breaking bones, that how much he loves it. He loves to hear them snap. He loves to feel them snap in his hands. Um, and that he, he kind of can't go without doing it. He does then allude to that at some point that he had done this to two other boys, but that they didn't live. Oh shit. Is that true? Do they confirm so that? We're going to get there. And so, uh, now if you can imagine the terror that Thad was already feeling, and now he's heard this, uh, I can't imagine he feels it incredibly hopeful as is right now. Okay. So now he sets in on his left leg and he, he continues to do the same things to Thad's left leg that he's done to his right leg. Oh. Oh, so God. now he gets him back downstairs again. And now he's had to actually 
oh, this is this this shows you like the psychopathy behind this one. He takes tube socks, like the long white tube socks that go to your yeah. knees, right? He has a plethora right. of those. Joe does in the drawers upstairs. He's got a ton of them. So 90s. he takes these and puts them, layers them on and on and on, which I can't imagine the pain from any of that, um, on Thaddeus's legs, all the way up to his knees on both sides. He had actually even taken a couple of tube socks from Thad's home, which points a little more to like a sexual sadism. So now we obviously have something that's interesting him. Now there are no, keep in mind, there's no talk and no account of um, any sexual activity going on here or molestation or any of these kinds of things. But it is not necessarily mutually exclusive that, Joe could derive some arousal, some pleasure from just this act alone, right? From from breaking the bones, like he said. So he layers these tube socks over Thad's legs and then wraps kind of like pillows around him. He calls them his braces and as though he's got like leg braces and has him walk tjr to clarify in the chats it says so the girlfriend was cool with him torching this kid she never saw him she came in they watched a movie she left and you couldn't get a um a view into the kitchen from right there that's how that's how thad was able to kind of lay there and hope that he could plan an escape route but joe wound up walking in the kitchen and saw him so no one else knew this was going on. In fact, his brother didn't come home during this time. Joe's brother, whom he lived with, didn't come home. So no one knew this was happening. So he gets these fake braces made of tube socks and pillow coverings. And um, yes. And so uh, John's comment real quick says that manual gratification was involved. Absolutely. So he has him walk around, guys. He tells him to walk around and that these braces will help your legs and all these kinds of things as though he's doing some sort of a physical therapy with the kid. So then he puts him back on the couch, bumps his legs back up again on, you know, kind of props them up. Just absolutely terrible. So at this point, uh, I'm not sure how much Thad understood this, but from a medical perspective, he's not doing well. It's been over 30 hours, all of these, these fractures, these, these bone breaking of, of large bones in his body. At this point, he has to have lost an immense amount of blood internally. He's not eaten. He's not sleeping. He said he just stayed there with his eyes wide open, trembling. I mean, he's starting to pass out and vomit from pain and come to, and um, it's only getting worse and worse. And the things that Joe is making him do after the infliction of these wounds, you know, is, is even more disturbing. So he gets him back upstairs and Joe is starting to be a little more comfortable, I think, with leaving for a few reasons. And I think one is because just he spent more time. uh, He spent more time with him. Also, I mean, it it wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily think that that would be able to get up and hop out. Right. (laughs) With the kinds of breaks he's got. So I think I think he feels comfortable leaving him because he thinks that physically the kid can't do anything anyway. And if you're just tuning in, keep in mind that the, quote, bad guy, the perpetrator of this terrible, terrible, horrific uh, couple of nights is uh, Joe Clark, a 17-year-old, okay? So it's a 17-year-old doing all these things to a 13-year-old boy. Um, And I I feel like this has got to have been an escalation. Like, did he start with killing cats and shit like that? Or like, is this, you know, like, how did nobody know that he was that fucked up? Yeah. So... 
So he goes on to, uh, this time he proceeds to lock Thaddeus in the closet. Joe wants to leave and go out with some friends. Okay. So he puts Thaddeus in the closet in his bedroom upstairs and he locks the door. Thaddeus is in and out of consciousness and he ha he's starting to understand. He's known this, but at this point he's looking around and saying things like to himself, you know, essentially like I have to escape now or I will die here. Like he knows this and everyone no. just take a moment again to remember that this is a 13 year old and the yeah. resolve that this, he's already tried to escape twice. I mean, the will that this kid has to live and overcoming the immense amount of uh, physical pain, but psychological torture that he's endured as well. I mean, he's in a house of horrors right now with this dude. I mean, it's horrific. So anyway, I just, I couldn't give more props to this kid when he was a kid or him as an adult now, because it, it boggles my mind either way. So he is in this closet. He knows that Joe has gone for an undetermined amount of time. So then uh, Thaddeus finds a guitar in the closet upstairs that he's locked in. He's able to use this guitar to smash the door open. Oh, he gets out. Uh, I told, I told John when we did this on Patreon, I felt like there should be some sort of a superhero music or something happening. Like well, even the imagine. song that was playing was give me something to break. Right. Give me oh. something. I'm just I mean, so he, dark. he gets out, he throws himself down the stairs at this point. He can't even, he can oh. hardly even use his arms. I mean, they're not broken up, but I mean, he's, his, the weakness, he's got to be incredibly weak. Yeah. So he throws himself down this flight of stairs. Poor kid. It's like the third time he's gotten down these stairs. He's low crawling essentially to the best of his ability on the kitchen floor. Passes out. Oh, so passes much out pain. for an so undetermined amount of time. He wakes up from having passed out. And this is what is so chilling to me because he's got to open his eyes, reorient himself to where he's at, you know, for a moment. Feel that pain sink back in. And then also be so terrible, not knowing if Joe's the there panic. or not. He doesn't know. Completely. The panic of like, oh, yeah. I got to get going. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. How long was I out? Five minutes or an hour? You know, he doesn't know. He's sick. He's vomiting. He is able to crawl himself uh, around the corner in the kitchen where uh, if you guys are familiar or have been alive long enough, we used to only have landlines, you know, or we had landlines still with our cell phones. And so the kitchen, usually the kitchen is a great place. It's a central location for a phone to be yeah. on the wall. Now, depending on the type of phone and the cord, uh, you might have a very long phone cord, in which case, you know, you can use it to walk into your bedroom and shut the door and talk on the phone at night with nobody having, you know, being able to hear you talking to your buddies. Uh, and, Luckily for Thad, this was the case with this phone because it could have had a really short curly little cord that didn't go down to the floor. This one reached all the way, at least far enough to where he could reach up and grab the cord and yank the receiver off the wall. Yeah. Now, John and I spoke on the fact that sometimes the receiver uh, doesn't have the buttons. Sometimes the buttons is on the actual console part that's attached to the wall. But Fuck. again, luckily for Thad, if anything was going to go in his way, the phone situation did. The buttons oh, were on the receiving end. The dial pad was on um, uh, the receiver. So he's able to call 911. He later you'll hear authorities say they first thought it was a. Uh, a prank call because he seemed so, so sure of self and so steady when he spoke and just so factual. He didn't know exactly the address he was at. He knew kind of where he was, 
Uh, and he knew this guy's name and he essentially was like, you have to come get me. And like, I can't walk and all this stuff. Wow. So they come, they get there before Joe gets back. So they get there. You know, somebody in the chat says good, good thing. It wasn't a rotary dial phone. Yeah. Good uh, thing. Yes. A lot of things, you know I mean? In this situation, it could have been all kinds of things that wouldn't have worked out for him. In about this 95, is- about the same time, I actually was mowing a woman's yard and she had a heart attack. She died actually. And, um, I had to go, I, r- I ran inside of her house to call 911 cause she collapsed outside and it was a rotary phone and I never used a rotary phone before and I couldn't figure it out. And we were on a long dirt road. And so I took off sprinting down the dirt road to the neighbor's house. I'm pounding on the door. They're not home. I had to keep sprinting up the dirt road to the next house, you know, long driveways, pounding on the door, finally got 911. But like, you know, I didn't even know how to use a rotary, a rotary phone. And this was probably about 95 ish. Um, so yeah, the kid's like super lucky that this phone has buttons on it and Jeez. Yeah. I mean, it's really the one piece of the puzzle that all worked out for him in that sense. Oh. Um, so authorities get him. Uh, Dad, if you can put up, we have a picture of Thad in the hospital after some repairs. Um, <clears throat> so. Oh, oh God. You can see baby. the kneecap is broken. I know. Fuck me. So it's all broken. His legs. So Ooh. from his hips to his, to the bottom of his feet on both sides were completely crushed and, and broken and shattered and shredded. You name it. So, uh, he looks pissed. He looks the, like, man, well, he's near world. death. He's near death. Um, so, uh, now, so the cops come to the house, the cops were able to figure out where the house was. How, how did the cops figure that out? Well, John made a great point in the chats that landlines were super traceable. Uh, okay. so okay. when he made the call also, like he knew the perpetrator's name, he knew Joe Clark's name and right, he knew just that he wasn't Joe Clark was home. Joe Clark's living with his brother. I mean, I don't know if that's oh, right, but I mean, they could maybe time. use that to figure something out. But either yeah, way, yeah, yeah. he knew where his home was, and he's close to that. And and just think about like waiting for nine one one to get there after you've made a call like that. You're just like, and then maybe like I don't know, did nine one one stay on the line with him? You know, I don't. Oh. I know it's horrific. So medical authorities, and if you know anything at all about medicine, you can understand. But medical authorities have said since that. I mean, he was minutes you know maybe an hour or so away from death at this point um his condition was grave he had lost so much blood internally uh that it it took a lot to um to kind of get him back and regaining full uh is that do we lose andrea or do we lose me not your dead leg are you still on do we lose uh do we lose andrea or was that me that we lost uh, we lost it. Oh, there she is. No, she's now back. she's back. She's back. She's, she's here. Back. I don't know. Uh, while happened. we let her computer catch up really fast, uh, gentlemen, if you didn't already know, it's tax season. Better call that CPA. Got to call, call that financial advisor and get your your taxes in order. Uh, the tax man's here. Listen, you're gonna hopefully you get a return. Uh, maybe get a little bit of money back if you do. Go ahead and invest that in your family and your friends. And by family and friends, I mean your bowels and your downstairs mix-up. Uh, Manscaped is what I'm talking about, baby. What a better way to invest your tax return uh, than to invest it in yourself by getting the Manscaped. It has the full package from head to toe. Make sure you get your money's worth this April. No, it's not even April. It's June, July. The <laughs> Performance Package 4.0 is the ultimate bundle. Uh, I wrote this advertisement back in April from our last... Uh, 
from our last season of Manscaped. So we'll have a new ad read for you. Uh, but right now, Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer is the star of the show. Ted, I can tell you all about the uh, the little beard trimmer that he's got. Uh, do we mention that it's all waterproof? So you can shave your pubes in the shower. Uh, a lot of you have seen this beautiful mullet that I rock, and you wonder, do the drapes match the curtain? Uh, yeah. And how do I make a, make a perfect mullet out of my pubes? I use the Manscaped 4.0 uh, lawnmower, and I also use the uh, Weed Whacker 2.0 ears and nose trimmer to draw the lines out. So uh, my penis has a Mississippi mud flap. For those of you who are wondering, I know a lot of you are out there wondering what it looks like. Uh, they have a cordless rechargeable. comes with that skin-safe technology, so it reduces nicks and snags. Girls, you can use it too. My wife's been caught using my Manscaped machine many, many, many times. Uh, how do I know? I don't have to be a detective. My wife has a different hair color than I do. Uh, so I always know when she's using it right now, get 20% off plus free shipping. Use the promo code Wolfpack at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code Wolfpack at manscaped.com. Don't just get your money back this year. Get your swagger back too with manscaped.com. Yeah. Okay. All right. You back? You back I'm with back. us? Can you hear me? We good? Yes. We good? We good? So homeboy is up on a gurney. Um, he's been rescued at this point. Has an arrest been made? Uh, not yet. So he oh. ultimately, so let's move over to the hospital real quick. Like I said, uh, he was just moments from death. Um, almost died from this. They have to do, he winds up having years essentially of multiple surgeries, pins, rods, plates, screws, oh. as you can imagine. Usually you have to have an actual metal rod uh, inserted there to essentially remake a femur for you or keep it, mm -hmm. keep it straight, keep it together. Uh, which as you grow, these things have to be kind of fixed again and more yeah. surgical, you know, interventions as you get older and taller, because obviously your bones grow. So if you grow and you've got metal in them, you're going to have to have that redone over time. He does still walk. He walks with a cane. Uh, as you can imagine, I mean, just multiple physical ailments from this, not including those that are psychological after enduring right. this. Um, so authorities start looking through this house. Joe Clark comes home. They arrest him. Now, Joe kind of did have a reputation around town of, um, you know, not really showing up to school, not necessarily troublemaker, but not really contributing anything to town or his community or his friendships. Uh, so he goes and they start looking in his, uh, obviously they have probable cause. And so they look around his home to see what all is there. Uh, now in his, with his willpower that we talked about and this kid's tenacity, Thaddeus's, that is, he was immediately able to tell authorities that Joe said that he had done this twice before. Remember how he told Thaddeus that yeah, yeah. now he told him one of the boys names to this day, Thaddeus cannot remember the name that he said, but he absolutely remembered him saying that he did this to a certain Chris Steiner. Oh, so that's the boy that we talked about at the beginning of the show that was found from water. drowning it's over a log in the river. All right. So, so let's put Thaddeus and Joe aside for a moment and go back to Chris Steiner that we had spoken on. So after much whispers and talking and authorities, they're now starting to get, uh, they eventually, as you can imagine, were granted probable cause to exhume his body uh, or had reason to exhume his body. 
and his parents were happy about this because I don't think they were ever settled on the fact that this was just a drowning. Uh, So they exhume him and uh, they realized when they do that the first time around, there had never been any x-rays taken Mm. with the autopsy. So, you know, John and I went back and forth about this, just kind of, you know, throwing the ball back and forth on plain devil's advocate for the medical examiner or not, you know, and, you know, at the time, are they just thinking, okay, well, his body was very, very bloated and decomposed, like we talked about, it had been July, so summertime and in water, uh, you know, it's, that, that's not a pretty scene and nothing is going to look normal. Now, you know, if his injuries were even close to those of Thaddeus's, wouldn't you think that that leg, those legs would be hanging a certain kind of way? Even if it's just a bad ankle, that foot's going to hang a certain kind of way. Um, but then we have decomp. So Yeah, and I would also argue that medical examiners, there's usually not like a whole bunch for one area. Oh, you no. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, you're talking like one or two dudes. And, um, and they're dealing with several bodies every single day from mom that fell down the stairs and died of natural causes and been there for three or four days, woman who died of the flu, who's been stuck in a, you know, a shower, you know, with the shower on for three or four days till anybody noticed that she was dead to the heart attack to the woman who got, uh, who, who died during a heart attack during sex. I mean, you, you know, they're, they're, you, they could be getting four or five, six bodies per day. You know, at that point, they're just a number. It's just like, hey, drag that one out. They don't know the story. They don't know the backstory. They look at it. They're like, oh, lungs are full of water. Yep, this one definitely drowned. The cops are like, yeah, he was found in a creek. Well, there you go. You know, he doesn't know that, you know, he went missing for four days. They don't right. get to know all that information. I mean, you know, they, they just, you know, they're looking at it almost blindly and then being forced to kind of, you know, and I, I do think that medical examiners do get lazy, but now think about how lazy you've gotten with your own jobs. And you know, you do this for 10 years, six, seven, eight bodies per day, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, I you think just that the argument is that even if they didn't do x-rays um, outside of the fact that we know that so much bloating had taken place, your your limbs don't hang properly when they're broken like this. So right. that's the only thing that makes it a little weird for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, so regardless, they do x-rays this time around because now they want to see if we do, in fact, have a link and if what Joe had said was true. And sure mm. enough, they do it. And Chris had almost identical injuries to Thaddeus. No way. So... His legs had been broken. His ankles had been shattered. Um, obviously, if he's then put in water, uh, he would not be able to swim. Um, if this is a moving current, uh, even it's worse. Yeah. Uh, so he would have not been able to swim. And so he did. Who, who knows? He could have succumbed to his injuries before he drowned. Uh, yeah. you know, it could have been from internal uh. bleeding. So let's go on back. Now we've got... Uh, Thad is in the hospital, you know, initially upon him waking up from his surgeries, he can talk to authorities a little bit more, give them a more detailed description of what was going on while Joe had him and the things that Joe said. Joe did say, or excuse me, but when they searched Joe's house, not only did they, they didn't find really anything to link him to past, uh, any past uh, assaults or murders or anything like that, but what they did find was, I mean, creepier. So they found a little book, like a little planner. And inside it were three columns. And under these three columns were names of local teenage boys. 
And the three columns were get to now, can wait, and the last column was called the leg thing. So he had made a list of boys that he needed to get to right away to do this for. Right. Um, the ones obviously that can wait and definitely the ones he wants to do this leg thing to. Okay. So which list was uh, this boy on? Oh, you know, it didn't even thing? say, it didn't even say if his name oh. was on it. Um, that's a great question, but it was not, it's not in any of the sources that I've read now. Oh gosh. So they find this, you know, obviously it doesn't take long to, to realize that this guy um, is guilty and, and all the things he had done. So let's see, I think he was sentenced to like a hundred years. Uh, yeah, he was charged with attempted first degree intentional homicide, uh, causing great bodily harm to a child, uh, mayhem, which more specifically is the intent to disable or disfigure. Uh, causing mental harm to a child and child enticement. The enticement charge, I looked into that. I wasn't sure what that meant. The enticement was where he coaxed them uh, out of the house. Yeah, on the on the guise of going to a party, something he would right, want right, to do. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So he was charged. He's still uh, in prison. He said that at some point they tried like a mental health, you know, fucking lobotomy. And he, <laughs> yeah, defense. And he said that he'll say he doesn't remember doing any of these things. He said that his mind just spaced out and he doesn't remember them. Now, the reason that was kind of disproven or debunked is because, or the reason they didn't believe this to be true is the amount of time he had that. So that, that was with him for a total of about 43 hours. So for that amount of time, he was able to, uh, you know, torture him, talk to him, normally leave the house, interact with his friends and come home. Uh, nothing really, shows any sort of acute psychosis or psychotic break or anything like that. Now let's talk a little bit about um, the background of Joe Clark. We don't know a whole lot. What we do know is that he was adopted. We don't have any record of any abuse or anything that we know of um, any malintent with his adoptive parents. Uh, They got him, I believe as a toddler or, you know, a little, a little guy. Now his, uh, biological mother did use drugs, uh, like IV drugs while she was pregnant with him up till, until he was born. So when we talk about his brain, maybe being a little rewired already from some damage there from the drug use, potentially, otherwise we don't have a count of him. Um, as far as I know, I've not read anything about the McDonald's triad, right? Setting fires, bedwetting, torture of animals. We don't know. Also, he could be setting fires and torturing animals and no one know about it. You know, we talk about right, this a right, lot. Right, he yeah. could be out in the woods doing these things and no one would know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, an interesting thing that John and I talked about a lot. Let's say we, we're going to say we know for sure that he did this to Chris Steiner. And then let's say that there was another kid. You know, what's really scary is that he had Thaddeus for 43 hours. The autopsy and the medical examiner, when they exhumed the body for Chris Steiner, they seem to believe that he very likely died almost immediately upon getting abducted, not very much longer. So potentially not as long as Thaddeus spent with him. So a couple of things here. Is he getting better at it? 
is he getting well, no I, I think it's, it's like you get lucky right like maybe he broke uh stanos or whatever his name is chris's legs and it hit that for mortal artery and he died quick sure you know but, what i'm saying like but that's what i'm saying maybe he's everybody's getting different because his his attraction to this what gives him what he needs his you know enlightenment is the process of it he doesn't yeah. want them to die initially. He's right. toying with them, right? And putting them on the couch and then breaking something else, then having them walk with braces. He even told, I don't think I mentioned this, but he told Thaddeus that as much as he enjoys hearing the bones break and feeling them break under his hands, he also loves just as much to, quote, fix them. And that's when he would put the, the fake braces on his legs and have him walk around. You know, I hope this dude just gets fucking ass raped in federal prison like every day of his life. I mean, it's, it's horrific. So... You know, so I guess one of the the thoughts we had or what we were talking about is, you know, but maybe he's learning to perfect his craft. Like maybe he's learning to keep them alive longer and not make those mistakes. And did they charge him with? Uh, did they not charge him with first degree murder of Christopher? Yeah, separately. They but I mean, he's already in prison him. forever and ever and ever with this one. But yes, they did. They were able yeah. to charge and convict him. Um, after I mean, it, too bad he can't, they can't give him like the fucking death penalty or whatever. I guess Wyoming doesn't have that shit. I mean, uh, Wyoming, it's I would Wisconsin. assume that they'd it's still, Wisconsin. or Wisconsin, I would think they'd still like hang people. Um, I'm trying to remember, actually. Uh, let me look that up as we speak. Those uh, wild, um, wild west places. But man, what a fucking, like, what a nightmare. I, you know, I, I'd also say that, you know, being an adopted parent, my, my wife comes from a family that, that adopted a yeah, kid. I'm sorry, in, in it house. is life in prison, so... Yeah, even on Chris, he's on Chris Steiner. He was sentenced to life in prison on November of '97, November seventh. You know, a lot of these kids that go, you know, um, adopted parents, they they have a hard time disciplining the kids because they've adopted them, yada yada. And um, I I think some of these kids, when they go unchecked, it can be it can be really bad. But I've never heard of a story this bad. Like I've never heard of it. You know, a seventeen year old going as far as like breaking bones, like that's satanic to me. Like that's like some kind of possession you know like some kind of yeah well it's and that's all out of this world like he definitely got you know again he doesn't have to have sex acts with you know thad or chris for this to not be a sexual sadist situation he's definitely getting gratification and pleasure from these things and we don't know if he didn't you know handle that after the fact when the kids were not with him any longer we don't know what this was going to be the point is that he had already potentially for sure done it once, potentially twice prior. Now here, and he had a list. This guy wasn't going to stop. So the GoFundMe that's been set up for Chris or for excuse me, Thaddeus Phillips was set up recently, I believe just last month in May, uh, from an old friend of his, and she was just saying essentially that he is so you know. Uh, Obviously, like at some point there was a civil suit for emotional and physical damage to where he was, you know, all this like tens of millions of dollars were, you know, quote one. But of course, he's not getting a penny of any of that. Yeah, uh, because where are you going to get that tens of millions of dollars from? Money? It's not coming. So <laughs> she did set up a GoFundMe to help again, you know, with some of his medical costs and stuff. But she made a great point that, you know, not to be lost on anyone, whether this was, you know, this wasn't purposeful on Thaddeus's part, he just had to escape, but his tenacity and perseverance yeah, and willpower sure. to do so, potentially he has saved the lives of boys in that town. So, yeah. you know, he was a hero unbeknownst to him, uh, just by surviving at this point, yeah. uh, and being able to recount what happened and tell what the guy said and all the things. So, uh, oh my goodness. But yeah, I've it, always said on this show, we would never kink shame. Uh, but this is a shameful kink. So, ugh. 
Breaking the bones of another human while they're still alive is uh, shameful. Armory uh, Knight said, can Thad walk normally now? I mean, he walks. Probably not. He walks and he walks with a cane. Uh, as you can imagine, I mean, pain, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure that the pain would ever fully go away with this. Um, yeah, a broken hip, a broken femur. Uh, not man, one, two. A, Both legs yeah, basically shattered all the way down. tough, dude. So, and, tough. Arthritis. I'm sure the arthritis oh, is Oh, insane. my gosh. And the multiple surgeries. And then again, guys, the emotional implications here and the psychological just torture. So this happened, you know, Thad's whatever, 42, 43 now, 40, something like that. Um, and he oh, does do gosh. interviews and he speaks out on this a little bit. But, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. what a great breakdown. Um, you did a good job of that. We do true crime just a little bit different here, guys. We do a lot of research, put a lot of time into it. Um, and, and this was, uh, an episode prior to on Patreon with Jonathan Bates. And so if you're into that kind of thing, you want to be a part of our Patreon family, we highly recommend it. I just did an amazing interview um, with uh, Gary Eddington, who uh, wrote a new book. He's got a Chris Carr style uh, book fandom. He was just on uh, Andy Stump's podcast, but he just wrote a book called Outside the Wire. Um, and he's a uh, counterterrorism detective in Los oh. Angeles, retired. And uh, he became, and then he, he contracted as a counterterrorist agent in Iraq, and, um, and and then just kind of his passion was always writing. And he had a dream, not a dream, but he had this idea of like, what if like a crazy crime happened here in Iraq, and I was the only real detective on the ground. And so he wrote a book based on like, what if that really happened? Um, but there's a lot of cool parts of the book that are um, you know based on the true story of him being in Iraq and him being in, in LA. And there's a sequel to the book. But um, the guy is a genius. He's awesome to interview. He was great to talk to. So if you if you want that extra bonus content from us here, at failure to stop podcast channel, please go over to our Patreon and and become a paid member. I think it's like three dollars a month. But tons of content on there also you can be a paid uh, youtube subscriber subscriber um and get live shout outs in the chats we got falconator tactical dude david j james russell dave tjr micah deadleg um those are just what i've scrolled through just far uh thank you guys for being uh, paid members you're the ones that keep the studios the way they are andrea's got a new camera she'll be using it at some point in this life um and i've also got our neon sign coming for new bright drop we couldn't have any of that stuff if it wasn't for all of you guys so from the failure to stop family thank, thank you so him. much tomorrow we will be uh tomorrow we have last call um we'll be talking about the downed airplane that was holding the uh big donor to the trump donor a lot of people didn't catch that in the news yeah. that one of trump's biggest donors went down in a plane crash and just all of a sudden we get a whole bunch of fires and some ground shaking and a sonic boom that's heard all around the whole country. Um, but Deadleg being a flight specialist and being a guy who's learned in, in flight things is going to debunk some of the conspiracies as well as raise some of the questions that we all want to know. And that's all tomorrow on Last Call. Um, but for cool. myself and the beautiful and audacious Andrea Uplate, this has been another great episode of Night Shift. And we will see you again Tomato. <laughs> Until then, guns up. Giddy up. Good night, y'all.